Welcome to Gondrepreneur, helping Gondrepreneurs grow and succeed in every sector of the cannabis industry. Gondrepreneur will introduce you to the cannabis pioneers who are paving the way for future generations. Learn about the shifting landscape of the market directly from the experts and get to know some of the leading minds in the industry as they tell their story of struggles and success. Now, CannabisRadio.com presents Gondrepreneur. Hi there, and welcome to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I am your host, Shango Lose. The Gondrepreneur.com podcast gives us an opportunity to speak directly to entrepreneurs, cannabis growers, product developers, and cannabis medicine researchers, all focused on making the most of cannabis normalization. As your host, I do my best to bring you original cannabis industry ideas that will ignite your own entrepreneurial spark and give you actionable information to improve your business strategy and improve your health and the health of cannabis patients everywhere. Today, my guest is Eric Branstad. A fourth-generation farmer, Eric is originally from San Joaquin County, California, where his family has been commercially farming since 1862. Eric has pioneered light deprivation with forever flowering greenhouses since 2007 and is a much sought-after speaker on the topic, having spoken at the Emerald Cup, Santa Cruz Cup, Golden Tarp Awards, the Cali Dep Fest, Humboldt High Grade Gala, Canacon, and at the NCIA Cultivation Management Symposium. Welcome, Eric. Glad you could be on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Eric, let's start at the beginning. Light deprivation is not familiar to everybody. What is it that light deprivation is trying to emulate? Well, basically, it's outdoor growing with the ability to have multiple harvests during that time, you know, particularly the summer. So, I mean, the old strategy originally formulated was to just black box a cannabis plant. So, back in 1992, when I first started hearing about this and learning about it up in the Humboldt County area, they were actually taking a box like you'd get from a washing machine or a refrigerator and individually covering each plant. Now, what this did was trick the plant into thinking that it had shorter days. So, Essentially, what you're doing is cutting off the daylight hours back to 12 hours of light. So in the summertime, we have this, you know, long summer day. And in order to get the plant to flower, we usually got to wait till the end of the summer, basically. You know, the mother nature naturally pulls back the hours on the clock and the plants begin to flower. Uh, well, by black boxing or light deprivation, this makes the plant think that it's dark early. So, I mean, it's pretty simple in that regard. And the plants begin to flower. You know, now today in 2015, we have more sophisticated versions of light deprivation possibilities with the use of greenhouses. And now basically an industry has been formed. I would think that with all the normalization sweeping the country that you're getting a lot of contact from folks because you, know, you can do light deprivation on the cheap, but now people are like, wow, we can do growing that uses sunshine so we're saving electricity and our terpene profiles will be better, but we can also have multiple crops during the same year. I mean, people must go bananas when they first learn about this idea. Yeah, you know, back when I first started explaining this idea as a company or a business, you know, for myself in 2007, it was just kind of like, oh, interesting. And, you know, maybe a high five here and there, a great idea. But now it's really sought after as an alternative or a solution uh, to a business plan. Um, most business plans right now consist of indoor and maybe some outdoor, whereas now it's really, you know, starting out with possibly the greenhouses and the indoor and the outdoor as the secondary measures. 
So let's talk about like for our listeners who have got big commercial grows, let's kind of give them something to envision. So can you kind of describe what a greenhouse that has been tricked out for light depth will actually look like? Oh uh, yeah, I mean the greenhouses can look like a commercial greenhouse that would be an A-frame. So it basically has the you know shape of an A. So when you're looking at it from the outside, it's got the pitched roof, almost like a metal building, so to speak. But it's a greenhouse. So I mean, you can have these things gutter connected, which means they're adjoined side by side. Sometimes I call them conjoined greenhouses because they're <laughs> literally attached by the gutter. So, I mean, when you start to do that, you know, you can't just have one big greenhouse in the sense that you have just one roof. When we go into gutter connected structures, we might have one growing space underneath, say, four, five, six peaks. Also, within those gutter connected ranges, in those five, six, seven peaks or whatever it is, can also be divided into separate light zones. So they can be shared as one big space or divided up however the grower wants to do it. So there's a lot of options in the big gutter connected commercial style greenhouses. But here in Grass Valley, California, we have a 24 by 60 demo greenhouse that people fly in from all over the U.S. to come see. So they'll fly into Sacramento, rent a car, drive up and see the smaller 24 by 60 demo greenhouse and get a pretty good idea of what's going on. I mean, it isn't the gutter-connected commercial version because we haven't erected one of those on our site yet, and that's next, but we have a lot of pictures, emails, and like I said, coming to see us is really a great way to understand a lot of this. So outside of the, the structure of the outside, can you describe the, 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 the automated light depth technology itself? I was watching the great uh, YouTube videos on your site, and it's like this big black cloth that goes across it. Can you kind of break that out for us? Yeah, basically in some of the YouTube videos we have a retractable greenhouse that has a roof that opens and the sidewalls are independent and then we have our northern latitude which is the gothic shaped frame and it has the breathable blackout fabric that goes throughout the whole greenhouse at every 12 foot section and so it is a triple layer breathable blackout curtain and so it helps wick the moisture because humidity can be increased as the curtains are closed and it's a rack and pinion system in the northern latitude so it's all functioned by one motor we can do up to a 30 by 144 in the northern latitude with one motor uh, blacking out the whole greenhouse and then when we get into the gutter connected structures we can have multiple motors into multiple zones so it's actually a simple system when it gets up and running there's a lot of components and brackets and hardware to hang it but in the terms of how it operates it's a pretty cool simple system I would think that a lot of the challenges that you'd get from the early uh, technique that you described by using a uh, you know an appliance box that sounds like it's cutting off air and all sorts of things. It sounds like when you can develop the technology specifically for this purpose and you're using the right kind of you know fiber and linen coverings and you can really choose your materials that you probably get rid of a lot of the downsides that were experienced with you know early days of light depth. That's an excellent point. I mean. It it was not a popular thing back in the day. It was kind of like when 
organic first got popular and it was looked at with the apple and you had a worm sticking out of it you know organic wasn't the premier product that it is today and so light depth was the same thing light depth was kind of like oh it's this early you know not so happy looking material that wasn't cared for very properly because the methodologies weren't developed yet and so we have a great deal of understanding now uh, compared to what we knew then and what we even knew when we started the company. And so now we are able to tell people why the things work, the way they work, and what the best policy is. We used to have a catalog at one time when I started that was inclusive of a lot of things that were related to the greenhouse and horticultural industry, but they weren't really related or specifically to cannabis, or we didn't know that at the time. So we actually eliminated a lot of things in order to guide people in the right direction Instead of people calling and you know and me saying, what do you want? I actually tell people what they need. And it's not because I'm trying to force feed them something that's marginally based. It's really based off education and cannabis growing so that people can be successful. Yeah, I would think that your job as a salesperson during the sales cycle is actually more education than anything. Because once people are educated, the sale is pretty much already made. Hey, we need to take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. After a short message from the sponsors who made this show possible, Gontrepreneur will return. Gontrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gontrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. We're back to help Gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to Gondrepreneur only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I am your host, Shangolos. And our guest this week is Eric Brandstad of Forever Flowering Greenhouses and Light Deprivation. So before the break, we were talking about how the constant evolution of these technologies is making the experience of the grower better and better. Let's let's talk about some of those, some of those improvements. So um, we were talking about, you know, the in the old days they would use a cardboard box around a plant, which is obviously going to have 
have uh, ventilation issues. And greenhouse is essentially another box. And now you're going to enwrap it in this, this black fiber. What are you doing to be able to keep the, the air circulating? Because I'm thinking that it would probably get really humid really fast in there. Oh, yeah. You're right. I mean, think about it. I mean, greenhouses were invented for the wintertime, and now we have people trying to use them in the middle of the summer and grow where they usually have, you know, maybe 300 days of sunshine or something like that. So, I mean, it's really um, against the grain. And when you think about it, it sounds like a hostile environment. And uh, years ago, it was. Uh, don't get me wrong. It hasn't been perfect the whole time. And to understand all this stuff, has taken a great deal of research and development and it wasn't all done by us it was you know done by growers with feedback towards us so that we could understand what was happening the evolution was really coming on strong in the last couple of years and so that's why i've taken on some of the public speaking and been able to do things like this podcast and explain things in better detail than i would have a couple of years ago even and so this is definitely ongoing research and we've come to a great place to be able to educate people and so that they can be successful so does using sunshine in the winter demand supplemental lighting to be installed in the greenhouse to add to the short days yeah, it does. I mean, if you don't have 12 hours of good sunshine, then supplemental lighting can definitely be a help. I mean, you can have plants that just need a little bit of encouragement. So supplemental lighting can be not so much on the production side as many people think. You've got to have a lot of lights, high intensity as well for light deprivation. And, you know, I have a lot of people that I know, you know, in areas of Santa Cruz and other places in California that use simple little fluorescent fixtures just to keep the plants in check because they do get enough sunshine that their plants do very well just off the sunshine alone. So the supplemental lighting varies from place to place. You know, we do have people that are moving into other states that have up to 159 days of good sunshine. So the supplemental lighting will definitely be higher intensity and closer spacing for these type of places. So what kind of technologies are you developing to help the greenhouse breathe? We talked a little bit about the humidity earlier, so I'm sure that you've got some sort of uh, you know, creations to move the air around as well. And so well, what can you do to keep the to circulation moving and keep the fresh air coming in when it's well, wrapped? My, right. My whole thing is, first of all, greenhouses that are used in the summertime – um, since they are against the grain, we need to know how to outfit the uh, greenhouse first of all before we even do the light depth. So if we figure out how to support the greenhouse properly, then we're going to be able to have the plants perform better. And then when we p apply the light deprivation technique, the plants won't go through the hostile takeover that normally is seen in other applications. And so what I'm getting at is basically a lot of people originally thought that clear glass was the best choice for a greenhouse cover. It let in more light and more light, the better growth. And what happens with cannabis plants is they really tend to sweat it out when they get warm. And that's leaf surface temperature. We're not talking about air temperature. So if you look back at an outdoor plant in the afternoon, it takes on a lot of sun. Um, and in order for it to cool itself, it actually transpires. It's almost like a person. We perspire, plants transpire. So when a, when a plant warms up, it's got to sweat it out, basically. And we don't really see this on an outdoor plant other than the uh, times that it gets a little bit droopy because it takes on so much water weight. And as the temperature 
surface the surface temps decrease, the plants become perky again. And so now when we get into a greenhouse and we throw a roof over its head and we find the humidity and the droplets forming on the greenhouse roof and dripping back down is usually an indication of a high plant transpiration. And so in order to mitigate that, a lot of times we'd look at ventilation. Uh, primarily, most people looked at mechanical ventilation and me mechanical ventilation means that we're using exhaust fans and intake shutters basically. And that might uh, help keep relative same temperatures inside and outside because we're doing one air exchange per minute, but that doesn't alleviate the humidity gain inside the greenhouse, which is also called the vapor pressure deficit. And so when we have those things going on, a clear material um, in a sealed greenhouse with mechanical ventilation, typically what we see is, is a hot, hostile environment um, on the leaf surface because the plants typically are taking on too much sun and they're having to sweat it out. So in what we've figured out in order to fix this or to help it is not to use shade cloth because shade cloth has been helpful for cannabis growers in these type of situations because it diffuses light and scatters infrared. But what we found is that there's greenhouse covers that are a diffused cover, and a diffused cover transmits may 85% light and, and diffuses it by 100%. So what we're doing is we're actually uh, scattering infrared, we're blocking out UV, and we're taking light particles and breaking them in half. So we get some of the same benefits of a shade cloth, but at the same time we're creating more light particles within the greenhouse space. So that right there kind of is a, a game changer in some regards. To say that you're taking away the sun's intensity but creating more light optics at the same time. Um, and so the other part of that is that the mechanical ventilation doesn't necessarily help uh, as great as we'd like it to with the diffused cover. And so what I found that cannabis likes best is to mimic outdoor conditions and the way to do that is through passive ventilation. And passive ventilation means the use of ridge vents and side vents and um, maybe a combination of a little bit of exhaust, but primary, primarily circulation fans on the inside of the greenhouse. And what this does is it helps lower the leaf surface temperature of the plant. So I've seen uh, uh, 100 degree air temperature days where it's 100 degrees inside the greenhouse, 100 degrees outside. So we've avoided the solar gain, the greenhouse effect. We don't want that in the summertime anyway. And so once we do that and we take my infrared thermometer and check the leaf surface of the plants, we find them to be in the high 80s and low 90s, which is, is pretty darn okay. And then when you um, do some other things that are discouraging heat, encouraging materials like the ground cover, typically people put a, a black weed block down and you know, most of the grow bags and containers are black as well. Well, those two colors or those two combinations with that color encourage uh, a high amount of surface temps, which adds to the temperature in the greenhouse, the temperature of the root zone to the plants. And so when we turn to tan grow bags and I have a white ground cover that we put down, we actually discourage a lot of the heat gaining things that are going on normally in a greenhouse. And it becomes a really supportive environment for the plants. And we can see all this stuff by using the infrared thermometer and just shooting all the um, uh, surfaces of everything. And so there's encouraging colors and discouraging colors. And so in the summertime, I call it summer mode. Uh, we, we do the things that discourage and, and promote passive ventilation. And in the wintertime, we can seal up the greenhouse and even use colors that encourage free heat. 
Um, but that's the main strategy. And what happens when you pull your light depth cover is we don't see the humidity spike like we normally did because the transpiration rates in the plants are in check. Normally at 5.30 to 7 in the afternoon, plants can be sweating it out at their highest point. And when we pull our light depth plastics or covers or our black box from the old days, uh, we see the plants sweating it out and it really doesn't do them justice. They, they take on abolic stress, which means they can take on pests and disease at that point. Uh, they're like an open wound. And so by supporting the plants and covering them with a blackout material that's a breathable material, uh, we have the tran transmission of some of that humidity going, transfer of some of that humidity going through. And then we also have in our greenhouses the breathable walls, which allow us to actually turn on the exhaust system, which we couldn't even do two years ago. So with all these fail-safes in place and these methods, um, now that it's starting to be proven through the analytical companies uh, that light depth greenhouse material is testing higher and better than some indoor and outdoor material. That's a really great explanation. I can imagine that without all the water weight from the transpiration in the afternoon when it would get really hot in there that the, the plants really look a lot happier too, which makes us all happier as growers. Um, it looks like it's time to take another short break. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Gonchapreneur.com podcast. After a short message from the sponsors who made this show possible, Gonchapreneur will return. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. -E -E That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R -E -E spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at KarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem, so I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to help Gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to Gondrepreneur, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
Welcome back. You are listening to the Godpreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, Shango Lose, and our guest this week is Eric Brandstad of Forever Flowering Greenhouses and Light Deprivation. So we were talking about how great these uh, greenhouses are, especially uh, in locations that get a lot of sunshine year-round. I used to live in Boulder, Colorado, and one of the things I loved about it is that they were getting 300 days of sunshine a year. And so I would think that this would be a really great location, and they also have snow. So in my experience, greenhouses get really cold in the winter. What effect does the, 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 the light deprivation technology have on heat retention inside of these greenhouses during the winter? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, the most vulnerable time for a greenhouse is at nighttime in the winter. You know, even in the wintertime when the sun's out, we have a little bit of the ability to have solar gain, so we can get the greenhouses to warm up. But the minute the sun goes down, that's it. So heat is necessary even in places in California as well as Colorado. And when you get into Colorado, sometimes the heating systems need to be a little bit more sophisticated. When I look at heat for greenhouses, the primary source or, I mean, the primary objective, let's say, to heating the greenhouses, first of all, heating the plants. And that would be from the root zone, one way or another. There's a lot of different ways to do that. Some are more efficient than others and maybe more practical than others. But just like I talked about in the earlier segment of cooling the surfaces and discouraging some of that heat gain to support the plant, now we're actually trying to support the plant by reheating some of these um, areas. And primarily that's the root zone. So take, for instance, some places in California I've dealt with that have been 30 degrees outside when they have a root zone at 70 degrees, the air temperature in the greenhouse can be down to 55 degrees. Wow. So the plant temperature is really important. And so there's different versions of root zone heat, whether it's in the concrete, under the gravel, in the beds. There's different versions of under benches. So if people are doing stationary or even rolling benches, there can be uh, heat applied underneath the benches so that you can keep the root zone warm. So that's primary heat. And then secondary heat would be a unit heater or also an, uh, what's called an air-fired heater. So it's a typical propane heater up above that blows out hot air. And so uh, with Colorado and snow accumulations, it's good to have a heat source for the plants and also a secondary heater for that air temperature to be brought up in order to help melt snow. So how about you know heat retention? That You're describing all this heat that's going to be created, but I'm assuming that a lot of the heat are going through these walls. Are these greenhouses typically double-walled? Oh, well, they can be. Uh, that's a good point. I mean, basically, there's places that don't get very warm in the summertime and stay pretty cold at nighttime and definitely have a colder winter. And I do promote the twin wall for areas like that and the diffused twin wall still. When you get into areas that still have 300 days of sunshine that get fairly warm in the daytime, especially in the summer, what happens with the twin walls is the air in between is what heats up. And so sometimes it's harder to passively cool a twin wall greenhouse because the air in between is always warm. You can't cool the air in between those two little walls. And the transmission on the twin wall is starting to get better, like as good as the single wall for the diffusion properties. Uh, but again, we also have the light deprivation curtain system that closes and when you close the curtain system it's light tight so it, it helps with the air movement even though the triple air breathable blackout fabric does help move a little bit of that heat and humidity it mostly is wicking the moisture when humidity play, you know places in that are in higher humidity 
Uh, but mainly, uh, it's an insulation blanket in the wintertime. Um, again, we don't need our curtains as much for light deprivation in the wintertime as we do lights. And so, you know, a lot of people are turning on their lights in conjunction with closing the blackout material to protect themselves from light pollution. Mm. So it kind of goes hand in hand. So now we have places that, for compliance reasons, need to have a light pollution plan. And what they don't realize that for those application writers is that we already have that dealt with because most people in the cannabis industry are buying a light deprivation greenhouse. So if we're blocking out the sun, we can definitely block the lights out from the inside going out. But this also is a smaller volume of air to heat up. And so we can actually have our primary heat down below in the blackout zone with the lights that can encourage heat as well. And then above that, we have the secondary heater for helping to melt snow and avoid having an air drop when the blackout curtain opens. Yeah, right on, right on. I follow this. So I want to ask you about one other thing before we wrap up here. We're almost out of time. You know, you are in a unique position as an entrepreneur because you are both educating your customers and you're also evolving the technology yourself. I can imagine that you've gotten a lot of pushback from folks who didn't want to hear you out or they just, you know, had their doubts or were skeptical. You know, a lot of our listeners are developing new technologies to bring to market to help evolve the industry as a whole. What advice would you give somebody who is going to bring a technology to market that has to change minds? Well, I would just say that I know years ago when we first started this, a lot of people didn't look at this as a real industry and that it was kind of a joke or, you know, go ahead, good luck type of thing. And the other thing a lot of people have always said, and I've even heard this recently at some trade shows, is that a plant is a plant. And in some cases, that might be true if you look up the genes or, you know, follow the, the chemistry of plants or whatever. But in my opinion, cannabis plants are really specific, and that doesn't mean that they're difficult. It just means that they're specific, and they don't really operate like a lot of other plants that I've been around or I'm familiar with. And so I would say that take some advice or some understanding from some real growers and some people that have been in the cannabis industry for a good amount of time. And that might be, you know, five to 10 years at least um, with a little bit of an objective background, maybe with some people that have been around some other areas as well, because Colorado isn't the breeding ground or the, you know, ground zero for cannabis and how cannabis plants grow. And neither is the indoor grow guide. I can appreciate the indoor grow guides, but they're not something that you take under your arm when you go back outside or learn to grow in a greenhouse. Um, a lot of the things that we read in these books and things are specific to certain areas or styles of growing, whether that's indoor, outdoor, or you know, Washington or Colorado for that matter. Yeah, right on. Well, Eric, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, great. Thanks for having me. It's been great. You can find out more about Eric Branstad of Forever Flowering Greenhouses and Light Deprivation on their website, which is foreverflowering.net. You can also watch uh, Eric's entire presentation at the NCIA Cultivation Management Symposium on YouTube and includes all the slides. It's really worth checking out. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur podcast in the podcast section of gontrepreneur.com. You can also find us on the Cannabis Radio Network website and in the Apple iTunes store. 
On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news, product reviews, and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcriptions of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. We are thrilled to announce that you can now find the show on the iHeartRadio Network app, bringing Gontrepreneur to 60 million mobile devices. Thanks to Brasco for producing our show. I'm your host, Shango Lopes. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.